Arnold. What a boob. What an annoying little smart pants know-it-all. How I despise him. And yet... His noble curiosity, his cool, keen powers of observation, his unfaltering sense of right and wrong. Oh. Maybe you can hum the theme song, won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong. While the memory's not too strong, there's a piece of you from a time long gone. So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain, question we ask is still the same. Is the treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome to another episode of Is This Still Good? I'm your host, Gavin Murray. With me, as occasionally, uh, there's another host. Occasionally? <laughs> uh, his I'm name is Sage host. Builderback. My name yeah, is Sage yeah. Builderback. He's here. And I'm, uh, I'm still too afraid to leave the stoop. Uh-huh. <laughs> here to help us work on getting Sage off the stoop is a new guest... Guess, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, hey there. This is Max Hampton here, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get you off your stoop, get you reacquainted to the world, and uh, you know, thanks for having me on, you guys. This is this is very cool. Thank you so much for being here. So, Max, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what, what was growing up like for for Max? Um, you know, growing up for me, I was I was a pretty solitary kid. Uh, my my family chose a, a kind of a smaller town, and the the neighborhood we were in didn't have many kids, so I was always kind of kind of by myself. A lot of cartoons, uh, a lot of a lot of creating stories and stuff that kind of led to this show we're going to talk about today. Um, it was the first time I'd seen a lot of these things, and uh, and I think it definitely led to to where I am today. And, uh, what 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 show was that? Well, that was the. Uh, one of one of the longer running '90s Nickelodeon shows, the crazy romp through the most interesting and diverse city that animation would show for a long time. You're really vamping here. It's like hey, Arnold. the title. Hey, Arnold. <laughs> yeah, it was stalling. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a show about an eight-year-old boy. His name is. His name is shit. <laughs> it's a hey something for hey, sure. Uh, Hey Reginald, hey, uh, Gerald, you know, Stephen. Hey Gerald. No, Gerald's a friend. <laughs> Shit. Yo, um, Ernest. <laughs> yeah. Hey Arnold. Hey, so Arnold. it sounds like you were watching this while it was first airing. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. First episode aired in '96. I probably saw it around '98, '99. Mm-hmm. I would guess. Uh, so I, I think I came into it around the third season um, and just kept watching it through its conclusion. And then many years after that. Yeah. It's interesting to kind of think back up a lot of these shows. I was reflecting on it um, recently where if you jumped in mid season, you couldn't just necessarily hop on the internet and watch the seasons Mm -hmm. leading up to. So this episode, I mean, this show is more episodic is my understanding. Like there's, yeah. There's less actual character development, even though every episode kind of does feel like it's about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely one of those interesting things where you don't need a knowledge of the canon of the show to get into it. Um, it certainly, you'll catch more things and there's little in-jokes and callbacks to previous episodes and stuff. But 
every episode kind of is self-contained, which was a newer thing for cartoons huh. at the time. How, explain that. That's... Yeah, were more cartoons doing overarching stories? or? Well, it was less about... Each episode had more of a story and a self-contained entity in and of itself, but it wasn't necessarily about just showing action-y bits or setting up to sell merch or mm -hmm. being more of a foundation for a larger property or something like that. It was mainly this was just your self-contained little 11-minute story about whatever happened to be going so on. So you're saying, time. hey, Arnold wasn't pumping out those uh, He-Man-esque action figures? It wasn't designed to sell footballs? No. Sadly, no. <laughs> Could have had a lot more flannel. Yeah. In plastic. Well, that's that's cool. I want to jump back. So you're you're from Northern California, like me, right? Is that what? Uh, it was uh, Half Moon Bay. Grew up in Half right. Moon Bay, California. Which I grew up visiting for. They're famed for their pumpkins and uh, corn mazes. Yes. Is why I was there. Mm -hmm. That's accurate. <laughs> Semi annually. Yeah, it's a really cute, like kind of quiet coastal town. It's so cute. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's one of the more adorable places in California, which is a very adorable state. <laughs> it's true. When I moved uh, to the peninsula in my in my twenties, that was always like my weekend spot. There were a couple really cute coffee shops and a lot of great restaurants and bars that have been like closing recently or just changing enough that I don't recognize them anymore. That is that is also accurate. <laughs> I also have things to say about Half Moon Bay. Is my point. <laughs> well, I, was say, I do like, know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, and Sage, you grew up out in uh, the middle of somewhere, I guess. No, I grew up in Half Moon Bay. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Something I, I'd always taken for granted in terms of, like, I always assumed this place, uh, Hey Arnold, took place in New York City, which I've recently mm -hmm. realized it does not. Where does it take place? So when I was watching it, I assumed it was New York as well. Um, I think that was just a kid in a small in a California town, like sit, big city like that, mm -hmm. if it wasn't San Francisco, if it didn't look like San Francisco, it just was New York. Yeah, <laughs> Chicago Chicago so, also fell under the New York uh, banner up until you could really... Well, those are twin cities, yeah. right? <laughs> Chicago, New York. <laughs> but uh, this, this city, Hillwood, in the show, uh, is actually a blend of three different cities. Portland, uh, Seattle, sort of those, those two, uh, New York... And you could make the case Chicago as well, but it was purposely left vague uh, by show's creator Craig Bartlett to just be that stand-in for big city um, and sort of take things that he liked from all spots and sort of mash them in to this one. And that's, as a kid, when I was watching it, that's exactly what sort of happened. It was just, that was the city and, you know standard for new york right you know? and so did when you were growing up in half moon bay did that feel like that was helping describe kind of san francisco or was that half moon bay like the downtown area <laughs> oh heck no <laughs> no i the biggest thing we had in and probably still now i, I don't think much has changed uh we had there a, a starbucks came in oh, and shit. like Right as I was about to start high school, and that was like the big. But you thing. got Half Moon Bay um, Coffee Company. That that does kind of feel like uh, that yes. is the least effective place to put a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, we had we had a McDonald's You're not driving through to anywhere, <laughs> and a Burger King, and like that was it. Those were your fast food options. Mm -hmm. 
we had a grocery store. It was a Safeway. Those were like the big. So basically, that was if you wanted to go see like a big city building, it was Safeway. So this, I mean, Hillwood in the show that could have been farther from what the day to day experience was. When you were seeing like friends, was it you either hang out on campus or your home, probably without a car at this age? For for those of you who've been to Half Moon Bay. I know you've got a lot of Half Moon Bay listeners mm-hmm. here, but um, exclusively, uh, there are lots of really large rolling fields of uh, various agriculture things, or sometimes just giant fields that were once, you know, vacant lots, maybe just filled with potential. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was that was what you did. You were either at home, at school, or just walking around one of these big fields with your friends. And then, like, once a year, like, 15,000 surfers come by, right? (laughs) That's, yes, that's true. (laughs) Well, very cool. Let's see. Before we get into the show proper, we should probably introduce it in a broader sense. Um, Sage, do you want to volunteer to do that? Uh... I volunteered sure, you, so, I mean, it would be very rude me. to say no now. <laughs> it would violate <laughs> podcast law. <laughs> All right. I would, be, I would be personally offended. Right. Hey Arnold is a show about Arnold's parents who are lost in San Lorenzo. <laughs> All right. So, any, any town, USA, eight-year-old kid with a football head, just being really nice and wholesome to, to everyone, uh, winning around bullies... Uh, learning to interact with other people. It's hard to give a plot of this show because I've just said, here's a character in a place, and that's pretty much the show. Mm-hmm. The the bit I was doing at the beginning is, uh, apparently, throughout this whole show, there was an underlying mythology where his parents were, like, adventurous archaeologists <laughs> in a Central American country, <laughs> and when Arnold is living with his grandparents, it's because his parents went missing in some Indiana Jones-style caper, and that's almost never mentioned <laughs> until the end of the show. <laughs> Max, does that actually come up before season four or five? Um, not really. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. It's, yeah, yeah. it's one of the interesting things about the whole Jungle movie plot is that up until that last point, it's kind of assumed, I mean, you know that his parents aren't around, but then you're kind of wondering, is this whole, like, explorer thing, is he just making that up to, because there's a lot of stuff about uh-huh. this show that's darker, that's kind yeah, of that's... shielded by the lens of childhood, and that's, that's is that one of them? Is he just saying, oh yeah, my parents are explorers or whatever, when, you know, they died in a car crash. I almost like that more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you go through most of the show kind of thinking that that's his his way of coping, and then you find letters, and there's a whole post-show adventure. Right. Are his grandparents complacent and feeding him lies to help him get through, like, shield him from the harsh truth? But ultimately, the thing I said is is not what the show is about. It's not about, like, the Belize-Guatemala adventures and, like, the the underlying mythology that's that's a whole second bonus show that's also in the show occasionally <laughs> yep just to introduce like what happened max uh sent us a little uh like five five episodes to watch as kind of gearing up to refamiliarize ourselves which was very hard to do to, to pare down Five seasons and two and a half movies of a show down to two and a half movies <laughs> <laughs> tried tried to get you you know like a 
an hour, hour and a half of, of oh, stuff. Oh, you didn't just watch. use the dart method? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the favorites that stuck out to me, and I, I know it's kind of exemplary of the show, was because uh, we saw it a couple times. It was uh, Gerald, who's um, Arnold's like best friend. They've got a secret handshake that is featured prominently in the opening title sequence. Is also like the keeper of urban mythology for, is it Hillside? I'm going to mess up that name a lot. Hillwood. Uh, Hillwood but close. <laughs> He's the keeper of like urban <laughs> mythology for Hillwood. And it's like he's like often an episode is about him introducing a piece of mythology that like only one out of the 13 kids who hang out together didn't know about. Everyone else is in the, <laughs> in the know, but yep. they all want to stop and like let Gerald tell whichever story is coming up. And like one of the ones that you shared with us was the ghost bride, which was uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. episodes uh, that we watched. This very quintessential Halloween hanging out in the cemetery spooky spooky yeah. stories so there's kind of an undercurrent of like these larger than life kind of world building elements that are half truths so it i would not surprise me when you speak about like arnold's parents it kind of feels like i'm thinking of like enchman and shinchan which is a terrible example but it's it's not a relatable example what are you talking about <laughs> just like you know the way that like a lot of tv shows especially at this time had like a superhero sequence that they'd pull out every like five episodes or so yeah and you know it's kind of like a way that like these writers who are doing a specific type of show kind of get to stretch their legs and play in something else for a minute do you are are either of you by chance the uh, the keepers of urban mythology for Sebastopol or Half Moon Bay? Do you have any like wacky <laughs> legends from where you grew up? No, I was the new kid being confused. <laughs> I only moved there for high school, so well, I, you know I what had, they like, say: if you don't, if you're in a room and you don't know what the wacky legend is, <laughs> it's you. It's... <laughs> oh shit. I remember, like, actually when I moved to Sevastopol and, like, the idea of, like, a small town coming from a city, actually, which kind of made sense the way it was laid out to me. I remember taking, like, a left turn where I'd usually take a right, and I realized the city that I thought was laid out, like, kind of a main street, was actually a square, and I'd just mm-hmm. been going the long way every single time, not realizing that, like, X was next to Y. I'd just been geographically challenged my whole life. and uh... Interesting. <laughs> What's the most confused you've ever been in a city anywhere in the world? What's like the most logistically challenging place you've been? I mean, I've left friends' houses and walked for an hour thinking I was heading home and then only to be yelled at because I realized I'd walked in a giant circle. <laughs> for me, that's that's definitely got to be Portland. Mm. Uh, just because I first time I went up there was just when I got my license and they have a lot of... Uh, Making a U-turn in Portland is a little complicated. <laughs> there's all the one-way streets, and and then I didn't realize that there were the same street names, but on different sides. So they'd be like Third Street East or Third Street West. Uh, so was, as a new driver, I was very very confused in that city. Yeah, I mean, you take uh, you take the wrong turn, and you could end up in Vancouver. And if you take if you really <laughs> screw up, you could end up in Just Vancouver. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke about how there's two Vancouver's on either side of Washington. I get it less now, but but thank you. Washington <laughs> well, I almost I, coming from like Eastern Washington, where I went to college. Uh, so so legit, like so so it was Vancouver, British Columbia. 
mm-hmm. just just on the other side of Washington. And then the border town with Portland is also called Vancouver. So if you are coming west in Washington, at some point you will have a highway split that says Vancouver, this exit, Vancouver, this exit. And I took the wrong one for like yeah. 40 miles before I realized I was going to the wrong place. Let's see how that would be confusing. Yeah, it's still mostly Did... on me. The context clues are there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have many Alaskan, like, was there a specific, like, undercurrent of culture and mythology growing up there? Yeah, I wish I... So there is a whole... There's a whole subgenre in poetry about, like, um, gold miners and uh, who froze to death and, like, haunt their regions. <laughs> I wish I had better examples or was prepared for this, but uh, though there there's like quirky horror things that usually are like someone froze to death and now they caught this area, <laughs> or yeah. someone was mauled by a bear and then they joined forces with the bear and now they're bear man. <laughs> I remember making up some of those too. I just feel to like, like I made up bear man. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like messing with my little sister when we'd hang out in Golden Gate Park, like. You know, I'd tell her stories about how, you know, if you find a good rock, you should keep it in case you get kidnapped by the bush baby, which is what I called the kidnapping monster of Golden Gate Park. Because mm. uh, you need to saw your way out of the burlap sack that he throws you in with all the other kids. <laughs> it's not a very intimidating name for a... Yeah, well, you know, I think it had to do with, like, the bush man was already taken in San Francisco. Sure. Because... He's that guy who hangs out with all the foliage and shakes it as you walk right. past and then occasionally jumps out. <laughs> so you give him tips. I think we I think we've all got a good story about getting got. <laughs> so Sage, did you grow did you watch this show growing up at all? I did. Uh, I grew enough to have like memories of the characters um more than a lot of the shows we talk about where it's like I think I I saw it once. Hey Arnold was one of the ones like Cat Dog that was on rotation at the gym, which is where I watched all the cartoons while my parents were working out cuz I did not have a TV growing up, which is why we're doing the show. Everyone's caught up. <laughs> uh and I don't remember much about it being like either impressed or like the opposite of impressed. Either way, like it's just a thing that's there. Mm-hmm, it's been mm-hmm. It's been fun to revisit it because I am still not impressed or unimpressed, but uh, it, <laughs> it definitely fits a spot and it's and it's nice and wholesome and I enjoyed watching it. Still good. Podcast yeah, it's over. definitely warm. <laughs> wow. This no, is that's actually... world's fastest episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for having me on, you guys. I'll, uh... <laughs> I actually... I'm, I'm still going to wait and see if it's still good or better as a memory after the discussion. Okay, that's okay. How you, that's well, how you keep them here. <laughs> what What do you think... So, yeah, because I, I, I remember watching it some, too. But, like, to me, it wasn't one that I remember seeing as often. when the t- At the time it was out, like, there were some similar programs. Like, to me, this... Even going back, like, I remember Rugrats, which does share some writers, I believe. Um... It shares, yeah. There, there's a lot of a lot of foundational things. I think Rugrats definitely paved the way fe- for this. In yeah, it feels with really similar. Because well. the Jungle movie was basically a wild Thornberrys <laughs> movie. <laughs> there, there's also that, and like I remember watching Ed Ed Nettie was more Meisties when I was like, mm. which I think came later, but like it did. But that yeah. was kind of the one that stuck in my memory in terms of like maybe a little less wholesome, but there was like. You know, kids in the neighborhood 
figuring out morality lessons through strange plans and characters. I guess this also like around the same time was Pete and Pete, which is almost had shared some of the the mythological aspects of like childhood in suburb, not well, again, it's that struggle between like this. Hey Arnold is somewhat suburban and more urban. And I don't know, just where mythology fits into childhood, I guess. Suburban means below the city, right? Yes. Like in the sewers. Okay. Chuds. Um, Child. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what Chud actually stands for. Child underground demon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What What about this? Do you think really like spoke to you, Max, growing up? Um, I think it was. I mean, I'd never really seen anything like this before. I mean, I think San Francisco, in terms of the big cities, San Francisco is very unique in its own way. Mm -hmm. There's not really specific, like there's not a, I mean, there is, but there's not really a downtown San Francisco that looks remarkably different than other districts or boroughs. Yeah, well, we have a downtown that no one goes to unless you're working there as part of it, too. Downtown, my mind, is financial district. Like, it's just, it's it's the part of town with the biggest buildings, but it's not a downtown. Yeah, and and it's also one of the smaller, like, major cities, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can drive across the entire thing in under an hour, um... Whereas New York, you could drive through like one neighborhood and then you're not even halfway across in an hour. So I think this was, it was exotic to me. It was, I've never seen anything like this. It was very uh, vibrant and and interesting and kind of dangerous in a way. Um, And also it was the diversity really struck out to me. Um, Certainly more looking back as an adult, but as a kid, just... I saw things I didn't see before. I saw people I didn't see before. Um, and I was just exposed. I mean, it was the first time I'd really heard jazz. Um, so it was just a lot of new things. And it was just a really interesting world that I could explore as a kid. Arnold does have pretty unique, like uniquely cool taste for a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whereas like, I, when like, cause another, sh- I'm just like thinking about a lot of the other shows at the time, like, you know, Doug's version of diversity was he had a blue friend too. Like right. that was kind of their version of uh <laughs> non-white, which was weird. Um and every time like Doug would dabble in jazz, it was more really relegated to his cooler sister and also kind of a joke mm-hmm. in itself. Whereas yeah, Arnold it... has like a sincere attraction to like other forms of mm-hmm. art, which is cool. Yeah. And that's really for me, that's the main difference between other shows similar in the slice of life genre of the time. I mean, you had Rugrats, which sort of started that whole thing, but certainly at the time you had Doug, I think Doug and Heron were probably the closest parallel at the time uh, to what was happening. But even like later shows, there was just an earnestness to Hey Arnold that I, I feel those other shows didn't really have. Like, as you mentioned, Arnold's love of jazz is sincere and it's not a joke. It's just, this is this type of music that I'm really into. Um, Whereas other shows kind of set that up to be the joke or that this is the snooty weird jazz or the, you know, banging on the bondos yeah. and the underground poetry, like that kind of thing, you know. What about all the Swedes in the show? Did it introduce you to them? 
It's probably anecdotal, but I have been noticing, especially looking at the list of episodes, one of them is called Tutoring Torvald, that there are just random Viking names in this show quite a mm-hmm. bit. Helga, Olga. Helga and yeah. Olga, yeah. And like What's we watched names, an opera. But... <laughs> we watched like the opera episode where Helga takes on like the Viking opera star and like, that fever yes. dreams that populate the show. Which was also the first time I'd really heard any of that stuff. Like, that was the first time I'd really introduced to Wagner or any of that. Interesting. You know, it was, it was, it was an eight or nine year old kid in Half Moon Bay. There's not, not a lot of culture. <laughs> to me, that was like, cause there are aspects of Looney Tunes, like early on. That's like my first memory of like the brass breastplate and like horns was Bugs mm. Bunny in drag doing opera to mess with, I'm forgetting the Fudd. bald hunter's name. Elmer Fudd. <laughs> yeah, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> God, that shit's crazy. Out of the episodes that you showed us too, how how much are they recycling? Because the, the episode structure does feel somewhat different from episode to episode, but like often it, I'm assuming it relied on the Gerald introducing a character and us going into an understanding of like how someone becomes someone or something. I don't know. What what did you see as like kind of the through line? Most of them are somewhat unique in that in that sense. I don't think you start seeing a real uh sort of recycling of things until the later seasons. Mm-hmm. But certainly I would say seasons 1 through 3 it, it's and probably 4 too. It, it's pretty much every one is a is a different and unique take on something. Um, the through line, I would say usually ends up being, it's either you're dealing with Arnold and his core group of people through his experience of something like him going to the movies or, uh, him being involved in a school project or something like that. So it's very centered around him and his interactions with his friends. And then the second type of episode is more on the, the supporting cast and you'll get more of a, a wacky take on something yeah. like the urban legend episodes or any of the other ones with like the other borders in the boarding house who are, or who are probably like my that. favorite characters in the show, even more so than the oh, kids. Like I really like somehow his grandma being this like out there. I don't even know what, how to describe her mental abilities, but she is so strong at the same time as being so like, out there but she's never having a bad time it's always a good time and like clearly the grandpa still loves her and arnold loves her even though like there's a a joke later on where she uh she says like who was that and then the grandpa is like well that's our that's our grandson arnold and he's like oh we should introduce him to that lovely little blonde boy that was just here (laughs) (laughs) which is which is another like it's it's a take on dementia, yeah. you know, and that's, it's, the show does a really great job in introducing these really serious adult themes in such a, a slow pitch around the bush kind of way that is, is pretty unique. Yeah, it's always, it's always packaged in a way that is, is good for its, its target audience, uh, me at 31. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's filled with that love and sincerity that we're afraid to actually express ourselves now that we're in our 30s. You know, 
thinking about it, I've had a lot of exposure to opera in my life, and there were still things in this episode I was like, oh, that's what that melody is from. Especially because so mm-hmm. much of opera is like a famous melody that is like parodied in something else. You don't have to know the original source to get the joke. So like the the crying clown, like I have heard that in. I think that's like in an SNL sketch. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're in the know, you know. I knew. But you know that that's, okay. I'm glad for you that you that you figured that out. Well, you really leaned into that crying clown thing that everyone was calling <laughs> you in middle school. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was more of a high school thing, but but yeah, that, accurate I as well. Your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and like speaking of uh, just like the varied backgrounds too. Like a boarding house is a really clever way to explore a bunch of different tastes of life, and you've got like. The construction worker, um, who's one of my favorites, just watching this angry man, but who's like still just filled with excitement. There's no one who's like Mm -hmm. just complacent in this world. They're all, they all have like these inner lives that are rich and they're very fulfilled feeling (laughs) for a lot of it. And extremely detailed for a background cast. You know, I mean, if, if you look at your, your core cast of like eight kids or whatever, yeah, every single background character feels like you could make an entire show based on them because they're just so yeah, did detailed. Did they have spinoffs of this show? Mm. They did not. It's almost surprising. Figured there'd be a Hey Gerald. There was... <laughs> yeah. I mean, they still they, could. You know, they could. That was, Boy, that was one of uh, Craig Bartlett's plans. <laughs> After they wrapped up the show, he had a whole follow-up show idea called the Patakis, which would be centered around teenage Helga uh, sending letters back and forth to Arnold. So the whole thing would be framed as like a journal device, you know, and uh, a much more older, mature lens of the show. That sounds really great. Helga is by far my favorite character (laughs) because I. Yeah, she she is by far way more interesting than anyone else. I mean, certainly I love Arnold. Not as much as Helga does. There's, there's just so much with her. It's yeah. (laughs) You could talk for hours. Well, it's also like the thing I remember most as a kid and what I, what I gravitated toward on this show was that sort of like, I am having feelings for the first time and I don't Mm -hmm. know how to process that. So internally I'm going to love someone completely and externally. I'm just going to be a dick to them. I think that's pretty universal at this age. Maybe I'm a sociopath. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's that is I can relate to sociopaths, Gavin. <laughs> I remember being picked on. Yes. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things with Helga is her use of language when she's not when she's like being alone and just like internal to herself. Yes. Like. Where she goes full sonnet Shakespeare. Football, yes. football-headed steward of my heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man, that shit's great. Which is like how I personally like romanticize and idealize love when I was too young to understand or really experience it. Like that that crush I had in fourth grade, like where I'm like, oh, this must be what love is. I must love this person. I would remember th- like the way I thought about it was kind of how Helga would talk about like. This larger-than-life idea um, using language that hasn't been around in 800 years. <laughs> does is that feel like something that, because again, I, some of you have seen the Jungle movie, and I, um, 
was just watching her professor love uh atop a crow's nest yes and i was very uncomfortable You've also watched it's, her stalk him for five seasons. <laughs> for five seasons and three movies, yeah. Uh, like making various is, shrines out of trash. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot how terrifying that was. <laughs> yeah, Like the closet with like the sculpture of him, which I think includes his real hair. It includes it's his real, real hair, hair, and the head is also made out of wads of his discarded chewing oh. gum that she scraped off the bottom of the oh. desk. No, it's, it's real stalkering. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> and we all remember like collecting items of our loved mm-hmm, ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and, relatable like, for making sure. Making them into a closet tried. So is, is that is that it. what? <laughs> <laughs> so you're both going hel- with Helga as your favorite characters? Oh, geez. I am. Well, yeah. at least of the like the main recurring characters who all say, "Hey, Arnold!" in the opening. Yeah. For me, so I think Helga is the most interesting character for me, and I think she's got the most you can you could dive into and really explore, but my personal favorite character is Sid. Um just I I just love that love that little dude so much. Everything his beetle Which one's boots, Sid? the he's the the one with the backwards green uh, cap. Yeah. And the like the popsicle stick nose and the leather jacket. Uh, he's, he's like punk before I knew what punk was. What? I'm trying to remember some Sid centric storylines. Uh, none of those were in the, the episodes I, I had you guys watch, but he has an entire episode where he is obsessed with germs and, uh, and like strips down his apartment and goes he's always in one of those really random one-off episodes yeah. that you don't actually feature any of the main cast and it's just an 11 minute deep dive into this one background character and those i always like those episodes anyway in other in random shows but in this one yeah i just always really like this episode he went full howard hawks completely howard hughes howard hughes with with the yeah howard hughes produced yeah. the howard hawks movies it gets me a lot too. yeah exactly the way of the future the way of the future <laughs> I know the what you're going to The way of the future. The way of the future. The way of the future. <laughs> he also has this other one where he ends up borrowing the rich kid's cell phone and breaking it. And then the entire episode is him trying to come up with an excuse for how to hide it. And it just keeps on snowballing mm-hmm. into larger and larger problems. That Yeah, that, that seems very what this show is about. I'm trying... My my favorite might be the de- the the construction or the destruction destruction worker. I forget what, what that's called. Demolition person. Oh, Ernie, Ernie the demolitions guy who lives in yeah. the who lives in the boarding house. This is the who's most just yeah, like yeah. researched podcast he's, you can listen to. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> he's three feet tall, but like you know, you hear him coming a, a like three blocks away, and his sledgehammer is as big as he is. Yeah, and his room is just. I remember in one of the episodes we watched, like you, uh, Arnold goes into his room and he just, his entire room is filled with bricks from the buildings he's demolished, which makes up his like mm-hmm. furniture basically. And he's got a story about each, each wow. brick. Yeah. Where it came from. Yeah. And the sheer pleasure in his eyes, the amount of satisfaction that man gets from his job, like someday. So how many serial killers <laughs> do you think are secretly in this show? <laughs> Cause it's at least Ernie and Helga. <laughs> A lot of very eccentric personalities, for sure. 
She's going to have to earn that title, though. You know, it takes a, a few bodies. Um, <laughs> and then you got to crumple them down to brick-sized uh, buildings. And that's how you get your good stories for each one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got, I got a very important question I don't think that's been asked yet. Um, what, why a football-shaped head? <laughs> Is that important? Is that anecdotal? Is it a like a central structural aspect of the story? Hmm? Follow-up question. Why a Eugene-shaped head, too? Mm-hmm. Max? Um, well, I I'm, I don't have a, a direct answer to this, uh, but in doing research on this um, and coming up with a lot of, or watching a lot of Craig Bartlett interviews um, and working in animation, I can tell you that a very important thing that we always look for is uh, strong silhouettes. Mm-hmm. And making sure your character design holds up. Um, the idea is you, if you saw them in silhouette from across the room, you want them to stand out and be immediately recognizable as your as your title character. I like how character design boils down to like that. Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> right. It's Arnold. that's yeah. That's actually a very good drill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if you can. So if you're if you're a visit every character designer artist, that's that's one of your main mm-hmm. tasks. Um, and this show came about, actually, it was Bartlett started, or one of his earlier jobs was, um, on the claymation team of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm. And that's sort of where this idea for this character came from. Um, and so it was kind of hanging around in his mind from that point, And it actually didn't get into show format until he was a episodic director on Rugrats and ended up being able to pitch, it was a shotgun pitch, so it was him and a bunch of other writers and directors pitching Nickelodeon Brass, and this was his his idea. That would be a dream job to go in and just pitch 30 shows to Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> just two minutes. Give us as many shows as you got. Uh, a f- football head. His par- parents are in Central America. Lost. <laughs> They're our Swedish friends. It, we love it. Give us more. It does sound like you know they maybe wrote a bunch of things on cue cards and threw them in a in a top hat and pulled them out. Well, slow. I also I also I mean, imagine uh, from everything I imagine these pitch sessions go about as well as when you ask me to do a thirty second recap of the thing we're already talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, apparently that's exactly how it went. Like from from. The research I've done, it did not go well. <laughs> and, and his was one of the last ideas pitched, and it was, you know, I mean, those things are scary. It is a tough show to pitch. I'm trying to think of, like, football-headed child in an amalgamate, like, in, in a in a, in a a city. Amalgamopolis. Explores life and compassion? Yeah, especially at the time, too. I mean, you didn't have any other real slice of life shows to point to. I mean, you had Rugrats and Doug on the major networks. That was kind of right. And Rugrats feels like definitely the step towards like, you know, this show feels like it does owe a lot to Rugrats Mm -hmm. and with it sharing, you know, like you said, Craig Bartlett worked on both. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think there probably was a certain amount of trust just from how Rugrats told stories that gave him the lenience with um, Nickelodeon to try. (laughs) Yes. And Rugrats is also just, it's an easier pitch because what I remember about Rugrats growing up is there's a lot of 
perspective shifting in the show. Like, you are on the ground with these people. Mm-hmm. The camera isn't, like, for an adult pointed down at at toddlers. Like, you're you're down there with them, and you see the world from their perspective a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, this isn't the Rugrats it, episode it, that we prepared for, but... No, no. It, it yeah. does go back and forth where like, cause I remember one of the very strong parts of Rugrats was also the parents. Like their storylines were also really fun and interesting and watching like, you know, these parents try to get along because they need their kids to get along too. And it's like that when their friendship kind of maybe wanes, they're still held together because their kids are friends. And, but there's also the part of it where, you know, those kids are friends probably because the parents were friends first. Like, they're not in school yet. So, like, your world is orchestrated by who your parents have and who maybe had kids at the same time. Right. As opposed to being free to explore an unnamed large city at your own convenience and <laughs> multiple times just not make it home after dark because something happened. There was, I watched a lot of just random episodes to get more flavor of the show, and there were at least two or three of those just like, oh no, we missed the bus. <laughs> Yeah. Which is probably a big part about I think I I grew up in a city but not really. Like when I'm this age I moved to Anchorage, which is more like up on shove unconnected suburbs. Um and you know, my parents would give me free reign of of the the small neighborhood that I had, which was like a national park on one side and then like a dangerous road on the other and I wasn't allowed to cross that road by myself until I was 10 or 11, but like well, anything course, else Bear goes. Man's out there. Bear Man. Bear Man lives <laughs> in the in the national park. That's oh, in my okay, backyard. My and sometimes in our shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that part of it never really struck me as odd until I went back and I started watching it again when I was older. Because, I mean, in Half Moon Bay, you mm-hmm. do that all the time. Like, you could just wander around and no one really, as long as you were back, you know, no one really, it wasn't a strange thing. Mm-hmm. So I always just, I saw that as a normal thing. And, you know, it wasn't until later. I'm like, yeah, this is a, this is a major city and these kids are just walking around. <laughs> or, I mean, at a certain point, like, you know, the, his, his grandparents have a full-time job and really only one of them is fully there functioning (laughs) so you know he's got to have a little trust and i think that's part of you know why he calls him short man all the time is like he's got to become a man uh sooner than later and he you know he he gives arnold a lot of responsibility like the the kid is not only you know a child and going to school but he's kind of saddled with you know being the repairman as often as not collecting rent from adults which is still kind of mind-blowing and, uh, yeah, like there was that really cute episode, um, where we've got Gerald, uh, Arnold staying over at Gerald's house, which we understand is a common practice. And Gerald's a little embarrassed of how big and rambunctious his family is. And he says like, Arnold, can we stay at your house? Like, I want to, you know, you never let me spend the night at your house. And it's again, this like kind of shame of just like, both of them don't think their family is normal, which I don't know whose family feels normal. My mom's crazy. I love her, but she's crazy. <laughs> um, and I, I remember being a little like, I don't know if I want my friends to stay over at my house and meet my family. Yeah, it was exactly the same way. I mean, my 
my dad was a writer and my mom was a night shift nurse. So it was very strange hours always at my house. And yeah, I remember being feeling less than and, and worried that my friends wouldn't think I was normal. You know, so I definitely related hard to yeah, that stuff. It's not till much later that you understand that normal means something much different than you think it does. I always thought my family right. was kind of strange because they work opposite seasonal jobs and much later I'm like, no, that's that's fantastic. That's like the mm -hmm. healthiest way for them to live their lives. Mm -hmm. There's so much about this show that was relatable as a kid, but you know, I I was I was one of those kids that I just never really stopped watching cartoons. You know, like most people kind of fall off of it like late middle school, early high school or whatever. I just kept on watching it and continued and I just never stopped and now I make them. But um watching it as as a high school kid was really interesting because there were a lot of themes that were much more adult and it's I mean it's basically like this cast they are teenagers in some mm -hmm. cases um and there's a whole separate set of different things that I reacted to in a much different way as a kid versus a teenager and then now going back as an adult like it's it's uh it's interesting it is interesting trying to pin down the age cuz like they're going to a public school but it's like SP 118 or something or PS 118 public school i guess is what PS stands mm -hmm. for you know, there's a lot of affections are big and strong, but they're very confusing, which like it's as one of the main things. And then also they have, they have all this freedom. I definitely had to look up what their proposed ages were because I could not. Because, again, like it does feel like it. There's a big chunk of development that this does feel like it's attempting to cover, mm -hmm. which is interesting and I think works. Yeah, but at the same time, not everything's going to match up with what you experienced at their age. For sure. And it is that broadness that almost makes it more relatable in a certain respect, even though it's getting very niche with its storytelling. It has a broader appeal in a certain respect. Yeah. Do you think this was one of the, like, when you were watching this, are you like, I want to deal with that? Or because it, I'm assuming you started pretty young and I don't know when you decided to move into animation. Deal with that in, in, in what way? Oh, just like, was this a, was this a show that turned you on to, you know, your life decision to go into a line of work? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, not directly. I, I didn't watch this and, and be like, Oh, I want to do that. Um, I, I just kind of gravitated towards animation as something I always was interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, and, one of the interesting things is I kept coming back to this show in terms of like, I found myself referencing a lot to story beats I thought worked well or art styles I thought were interesting, um, how the episodes were composed and things like that. And, and it wasn't until later that I really realized what a foundation this had for me. It's just a, a different way to tell a story or to present your characters uh, to other stuff that I'd seen yeah, I actually want to give a quick shout out to in terms of the style, like one of the things I really like about this show and do remember is the world that the characters are inhabiting is done with this like really cool kind of, I'm going to guess colored pencils because I'm very untalented at recognizing what art looks like, but <laughs> all pencils are colored. Okay, fair. <laughs> the The backgrounds look really beautiful, like the way that they're done and it's, you know, I was a probably a bigger fan of like Rocco's modern life at like this time. And like 
Ren Stimpy to a lesser extent, or like Courage is a Cowardly Dog later, which has a much more out there, you know, visual style all the time, always. Oh, But this show does create a, you know, slightly heightened uh, world where it's like, you know, again, the, the lines aren't rigid. There is a lot of perspective in the way that the world is drawn. And, you know, gravity doesn't need to make sense all the time. But, like, there is something that feels very real and concrete, but also kind of slightly magical to it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. One of my favorite sort of uh, silhouette side views of the city is that you see a lot on promotional posters and stuff for the show. But it's the the curved overpass underneath the boarding Mm -hmm. house. And you've got this bright red candy apple boarding house next to this pastel line of buildings broken up in that skyline with that overpass and it's it's twisty almost like you know yeah it's it's a really striking image and it it captures that it's real enough where you can relate to it but yeah it's also got that sense of heightened reality and somewhat mystical somewhat magical element to it where it's it's not it's a cartoon version of of something that is Easily and yes. immediately recognizable as something that you see every Yeah, day. the rules that- of the story world very much feel like the same rules of our reality. It is just stylized as a cartoon would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I remember. I don't remember what airport I was in or why, but I the only time I actually like thought of this show more recently was I was in an airport watching just airport television with like, you know, reading the subtitles and being like, what boring shit are they going to throw at me next? Oh God, it's the same, you know, political clip over and over again. But for some reason they had a Craig Bartlett interview that was being played and I hadn't thought of Hey Arnold in a minute and watching him talk about the show got me really excited about it because uh, he specifically spoke about like Central and South American magical realism being like his one of his biggest influences on the show. Interesting. And the way that like he described Arnold's bedroom very specifically, which like as a kid, you know, I'm jealous of this amazing his he's in like the top he's on the top floor. His ceiling is all glass, like just a sky roof with like stores le- uh, stairs leading up a slanted wall so he can climb out and anytime he wants to just like be in the city, even in the private of his own room. And his room is just covered in books. Like, it's this kind of perfect match of, like, escapism and home where, like, the city itself is just an extension of, like, a private world, which is really cool. I'm jealous of that room to this day. (laughs) I mean, come on. The rent in New York with, like, that kind of rooftop access? My God. Although it's got to be really cold uh, (laughs) in the winter. But I, I thought that was really cool, the way that he described magical realism, which is like still a concept I kind of struggle with. I'm fascinated by its use because it is a more subtle version of like fiction storytelling. And this has a lot of that in it. Like it, when you think about it through that lens, it's pretty clear. I think I always thought it was New York because of Pigeon Man. Yeah. Although there are pigeons in other cities. Apparently. But... <laughs> it's true. I know that now. I just thought, well, especially like any time, what's the last Pigeon Man I saw in popular media? Uh, John Wick 2 and 3, Lawrence Fishburne being like the crazy New York Pigeon Man. I've always associated it with New York specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't Ghost yeah. Dog take place? Ghost in, Dog, yeah. yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Those are all the Pigeon Men I can think of. Did you have pigeons in Alaska, Sage? Ooh, we had crows. 
I grew up with a crow nest right outside, and my first word at two was, uh, caw! <laughs> and my parents thought there was a crow trapped in the house. Nope, there was a crow trapped in me. Do you still do you still speak crow? Uh, poorly. You know those skills go poorly. away. Yeah, it's tough when you don't get to practice it. Yeah, you know it's hard when you don't have someone to speak to. Uh, yeah, speaking with a native speaker, that's the only way to keep. Yeah, it next up. time I go to a, a country that speaks mostly crow, and I get to actually this this joke's not going anywhere. <laughs> we're really we're yeah. really pulling this out too. <laughs> uh, but Pigeon Man, uh, the episode <laughs> Pigeon Man. Um, I had completely forgotten about all of the, uh, like, the Caligari stuff, the German expressionism mm-hmm. in that hallway. And, I mean, this is basically, the show does this a lot where it just takes, like, Ghost Bride is, is a very clear homage to Scooby-Doo, like, the ending of it, you know. Yeah. And uh, Pigeon Man is just sort of a mix of classic horror films. I mean, you've got Frankenstein, you've got... Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, you've got, you know, it's it's just really, I'd, I'd totally forgotten about that until I was rewatching the episode. And I was like, man, these are some, these are some striking visions. Yeah, it's very aesthetically rich. That that staircase that you, you described, like, is more terrifying than the Pigeon Man, but I guess that's also part of it. Like, it's that fear yeah. leading up to, like, that apprehension. And then, like, when you meet him and realize that he's a human with a good heart, who's you know, self-isolating in a way that like is really disappointingly reaffirmed uh, by the bullies yes. in that, in that episode that really broke my heart. That was really hard. Mm-hmm. And that was most of the season one shows I think are in a lot of ways, the most interesting because it was when you had the central concept of this is a show about this kid, Arnold's, and then you started to bring in Helga and mm-hmm. the crush and stuff, but the supporting cast like Harold you didn't know him as well as we do in later seasons. So you could do that stuff. You could have Harold and Stinky be your stand in bullies and it wouldn't go against their character because we hadn't, we don't know what their characters are yet. So there were a lot of really interesting exploration stuff in the first season that you couldn't really do in the later seasons. Once the show got more developed and all of these characters got more flushed out, which is a double-edged sword, I suppose. Yeah. That's an interesting way to think about it. Well, I think I think we should start doing being a little little critical of it. I think it's time to talk about whether or not this show might be still good. Sage, do you want to break down break down our rules here? Oh, we, oui. right, I'll do a better job of this. All right, so uh, we have three metrics. Um, well, no, not metrics. See, I already screwed it up. <laughs> there are there are three rankings in this podcast, as passed down by our dads and their dads. Mm-hmm. is the show from kid generation to kid generation yes. is the show still good is it better as a memory or uh do we take it out back behind the shed the behind the shed and uh you know you can edit this <laughs> and uh just tell the kids it went to live on a farm <laughs> yeah um yeah are, are we gonna farm it are we gonna <laughs> is it better as a farm <laughs> <laughs> well okay um i'll go i'll go first so i well, like again i wasn't a huge fan of this show growing up i always like would watch it and i, I loved i feel like i mostly experienced it as small advertisements for uh, while i was watching other shows on nickelodeon but like there is something like even just seeing i feel like the wholesomeness just kind of oozed through my general being 
somehow. Like, I don't even remember watching much of it, but it's just <laughs> a very positive influence on the world. That being said, like, I think there's also a reason that I never watched it like as a mainstay. To me, it was its contemporaries of like, I did watch Rugrats a lot, but I was younger, I think. And then shows like Rocco that took a much sillier way of still trying to communicate heartfelt messages and discuss like trauma as well kind of just clued in a little bit more with me i don't know if i was ready for the sincerity that this show has which i deeply respect but i don't know if it works for me all the time so i'm gonna say better as a memory there's so much to like here but it's one that like i think it's a wonderful kids show but and but it's harder for me to latch in and enjoy it all the time i guess when we cover cartoons that are directed towards children on this show which we do a lot i always have to ask what the idea of is this still good mean is this still good for children today is this still good for me as an adult um i don't have an answer to that right now which always makes picking at it a little hard I think I like this more than I did as a kid because it probably bored me compared to some of the other shows. I think it is because there's a lot of sincerity, because there's a lot of wholesomeness. Now now I look at it as like, no, there's enough wacky stuff around it that, that the sincerity just enhances it. I think ultimately if I if I gave Rocco's a still good, I have to give this a still good because I like this more than Rocco. I, I would... Uh... <laughs> um I I definitely agree with you Sage that I think I like this show more as an adult certainly as a rewatch of it you know I mean I I kind of stopped watching this regularly around high school and then came back to it bits and pieces when I needed to reference it but I didn't really do a deep dive of it until now going back you know rewatching most of it for for this and there are a lot of things with it that yeah, that I, I didn't appreciate before, um, both from a craft element and just an interesting storytelling uh, way to present this. Um, and just based on the other shows of the time and even now, like using real kids as voice actors and there's just all the stuff that feels really earnest about this. Um, and it's hard to sort of pinpoint a specific element of what this does so well for me. And it just sort of all comes together in something that is a really interesting, heartfelt, earnest, and sometimes brutal experience of what life is it's in a city or being an outcast or what ha whatever your your situation is. It seems like there's something that you can find in this show that you can relate to. Um, so my my official verdict would be still good. I think I'm just more afraid of... Uh you know, having a show understand me than you all are. That's I, I consistent. Don't, I, don't, I can't handle this amount of uh, representation. <laughs> um. Well, let me, let me ask you if, uh, if Hey Arnold just came out today, uh, would you watch it? I mean, if, if it hadn't been established in 94, this show came out today, where does it hold up? And I ask this not, not knowing what children are, are watching <laughs> or eight right now. Like the few the few children's shows that have made it through for me to watch have been incredible. 
they've slipped through and people have told B, an adult man Mm -hmm. who doesn't love cartoons, hey, you should watch Adventure Time. Hey, you should watch Infinity Train. You you should watch Infinity Train. (laughs) And I don't think this goes on the level of, of that, but, you know, we've been talking about this an hour, and I don't think I've said a bad thing about Hey Arnold. It did come out in its time and place, and I do think, like, aside from... Uh, when I was watching the reboot movie, which, like, again, we talked about Rocco's reboot movie and them having to talk about technology. And in this reboot movie, you know, Helga's dad sells beepers. He runs a beeper store. Oh, yeah. So that's, like, the one thing they had to be, like... Um, now, if Harold had been in space for 20 years and then come back... <laughs> yeah, that's true. The movie just uh, takes place, you know, a couple months after the show or whatever. It literally takes place over a summer. Yeah, I think they call out the beeper thing as like a, God, beepers are such a stupid technology. I can't wait till these aren't a thing anymore. (laughs) But it still feels like it's taking place in its time period. But beepers do save the day. (laughs) I wonder, like, if part of that is that, like, childhood has, I think, sort of changed. And I'd say that with no experience at all in terms of hanging. Like, I don't really know of many children right now. But uh, (laughs) I watch a lot of children's cartoons. And they, too, tend to be more out there even then like there's a lot less of that kind of 90s observational comedy that was so big at the time now you've got like adventure time which takes place in a nuked out version of like the far future you've got teen titans which takes place like in an an island in a giant ship and they're superheroes uh i forget what else is happening in the world right now gumball these are all the important (laughs) things of the world right now (laughs) i think that that as a medium we're going back to the format of the early to mid eighties where you've got more, it's a, it's about action. It's about uh plot over story, you know, with Powerpuff Girls, Ben 10, all of the mm-hmm. really popular series now is less about, yeah, more, less about that observational slice of life thing that was really found vogue in the nineties. And now it's back to more of a, um, flashy colors and things and not that there's anything wrong with that i i enjoy all that stuff but it's a very different uh it's i think it's a it's a different style for a show and it's certainly a different audience that you're going after well i'm trying to think of like because steven universe is like one of those shows that also is extremely earnest Mm -hmm. but is extremely flashy Mm -hmm. and rich with like very not pastel but like bright like neon colors it's a much louder show then even though it does aim at like earnestness and understanding, which like you could argue about uh, adventure time as well. Mm-hmm. Wh- what do you think like the, the true like lineage is or not lineage, but like the effect that this show had on the world of animation legacy legacy. <laughs> um, well, directly, I mean, I think it, it set the certainly within the Nickelodeon uh, framework speaking more directly legacy it set the framework for shows like as told by ginger and rocket power and mm-hmm. it it carved out a niche for that slice of life genre in a way that hadn't really been there before i think it gave probably studio brass a lot more confidence in greenlighting stuff like that um also the amount of time this show ran I mean, it it ran from 96 to stop production in 01, but it actually, they ran episodes, new episodes through 2004. Whoa. And that is, that is a long, I mean, six seasons, you know, I I don't know the official format, but I think it's like 
two by 30 or something like these are hefty seasons. So mm -hmm. having that volume and having something that the network could rely on for that amount of time, I think that opened the door for a lot of more, uh, maybe a little more out there or, or weirder shows as a more overreaching thing. I, I think that it you could look at adventure time and a lot of stuff and sort of point back to this style of show. Um, mm -hmm. and I think it, it just made folks a little more comfortable with it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If we, uh, if we got more Hey Arnold now, if hypothetically this podcast had some sort of patented and enviable reboot section, <laughs> what would you, what would you want that to look like? We're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s. Oh, it's not a remake, it's a reboot. You see, the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity. What the fuck is a reboot? So all they do now is recycle shit from the past. We're working on this for Shrequel and, and more of a screamake. Expect us all not to notice. I like it. Another! I would love to see what this show would be in more of a, like, an older teen capacity like you know a high school setting and really take that take that uh that kid show lens off of it like if you're talking about alcoholism they're not smoothies it's just actually liquor and stuff and i, I you know deep dive into those darker themes um you could go a lot more adult with it but also kind of stick to that earnest lens of everything i think this could be a really interesting like uh you know a Netflix type of show where it's a streaming mm -hmm. platform uh, and just, uh, the, yeah. The chilling adventures of Arnold. <laughs> 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 or just go like straight to the euphoria version of it. <laughs> I don't think I want that I at all. I mean, uh, I still haven't checked out euphoria and I've got like, I mean, friends that I would honestly it. be very happy if, if some, by some sort of black magic, the Patakis just became a thing, yeah. you know? I'm sure yeah. those scripts are still fantastic as they're written. That was the pitch I had before you confirmed that it was a thing in development. It's like, yeah, let's see Oi Helga. Let's, yeah. Especially because <laughs> something that I don't think is mentioned too much in the show, but in some of the later episodes and in the movie, like, Helga, like, her parents love her sister more than her. <laughs> just oh, yeah. straight oh, that's, up. That's, that's recurring. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Those are some tough episodes, too. And that's, it's like, I mean, there's one where she, she basically rage quits Thanksgiving and just walks around the city and nobody notices for like Man. a good 20 minutes of the show. It's yeah, rough. No, I want, I mean, that's, that is an interesting thing with a lot of longevity to explore if they were going to bring that back. This is one of those shows where I, they, it's, I don't want to see them any more grown up than they are because what the show is about is them growing up at a very like, and they have some breadth to it. Like, I, I don't know what I'd change. Like, even though I said better as a memory, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what could improve this show. I think it's perfect at what it is. So like, cause they're, I think that they are able to tackle like those, those tougher issues like you're talking about in a way that is so, insightful and like kind of important to get those elements out to a younger audience. And I feel like, you know, again, you do have other shows that kind of pick up the mantle later, you know, I'm going to sneak in my recommendation right now, but like mission Hill that only lasted a season, but it's, you know, again, exploring, it's more observational. It's like a dude working a part-time job at a mattress sales store, 
uh, saddled with like a kid brother that he's trying to be get rid of as much as he's trying to be a good example to. And I think that there is like those smaller slice of life things, you know, you can still be cynical and earnest at the same time because things get more complicated as you get older, I feel like, but I don't, I don't know if I'd want to see specific, like, you know, I definitely wouldn't want to parade of drugs on Hey Arnold. I could understand like a special episode, but I don't, I don't need to see Euphoria is different. It's also a very great. special opium den episode <laughs> of Hey Arnold. <laughs> I have one additional pitch, since mine already exists out there, apparently. Uh, I would like to see this show at turn-of-the-century Victorian England, where they're all just mm-hmm. street kids. I think just, like, getting a different... I don't think that necessarily... Street urchins. Street urchins, yes. I think you can get some fun with that. Like, in a sort of anthology thing where, hey, Arnold's just in different time periods. Uh, you could call it, <laughs> hello, Arnie. <laughs> Oi, Arnie. Oi, Arnie. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then there's just tons of cockney in it. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how much slang was created in this show. That'd be something to oh. I'm curious about as well. Mm. What 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 would you recommend for those? You know, either in in chorus two, it sounds like from both of you, uh, in chorus to Hey Arnold. What would you what would you recommend checking out? Well, a another really interesting show that's similar in a lot of ways and a lot of. Uh, foundational stuff and is kind of the older remake that i'm talking about is as told by ginger that was a show i had completely forgotten about until researching uh into some hey arnold stuff for this and i watched a couple episodes and uh i'm probably gonna gonna take another look at that one it's got a lot of the same a lot of the same concepts a lot of uh interesting slice of life stuff and it looks pretty cool too interesting I, I don't remember that one. I've um, never heard of this show. That was show. what I was trying. I'm assuming it was on Nickelodeon as well. It was. Um, and it, yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was later. Okay. I don't recall the dates offhand, but I, I remember watching it, you know, the later 2000s early kind of stuff. So it was, I think definitely as, as that whole scene was wrapping down. I, I'm going to recommend, like I, I said, I was going to recommend Mission Hill, but I think I actually recommended that on the Clone High episode. So I'm going to change that recommendation to Over the Garden Wall. Oh, so Knew good. It. Called it so good. Which is an absolutely incredible, like, Halloween, not Halloween, but like autumn kind of tinged journey of like a, a boy and his little brother in ever autumn kind of exploring this strange world and kind of realizing kind of what responsibility means and growing up kind of over an extended period of time. It's really great. It is fantastic. Um, Sage, what you got? Infinity Train. I think oh, right. everyone should go to HBO Max and uh, watch Infinity Train right goddamn now. <laughs> Honestly, the, the less said about it, better, but it is a train and it's it's, it's a lot infinite. of train. It's a lot like of train. Infinite like, amount of train. Hypothetically, mm-hmm. an infinite amount of trains. Basically, each car is a dimension, and it's an anthology series uh, where people get trapped on the train and they have to learn things about themselves. I don't know. It's very good, and it just like in hey it Arnold. means something. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we did it. So <laughs> we did it. Finally, after all this time, and we recorded a podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Max. This was really sweet. It was really cool to go back and, and look at this world of Hillwood. 
Yes. You. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. This was this was really fun. Is there anything you wanna you wanna plug or take pride in and encourage our audiences to track you down? Um. Well, I am. Uh, I am currently working on a a very uh, Harold inspired book at the moment. Um. More information on that. You can follow me on Instagram at Max the Hampton. It'll be out uh, next year, at some point. But, Do you want to uh, tease the title? Um, you know, currently it's uh, it's called High Tops, hmm. um, but uh, yeah, we'll be having much more information on that in the coming months. Sounds good. Sage, you got anything to plug? No, it's been it's been especially so. I would say, like, if you have the time, uh, grab a mask and uh, head on down to Half Moon Bay. It's cute. And we're just starting pumpkin season. Well, no, I withdraw my recommendation. <laughs> Pumpkins are gross. <laughs> I don't know if corn mazes are COVID safe. Hmm. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find me at Gavin V. Murray on most things. Um, Instagram's probably the only one I really update. But yeah, thank you all so much for joining. See you next time.